0: Good. Uh, Well, welcome, everybody. Good seeing you here in this room, out in the atrium, joining us online from all over. And welcome to week two of Old School Cool. And I'm going to talk about the family. And I want to put everybody at ease by right out of the chute saying, there are no perfect families. None. No perfect families, every family faces problems. Good families, great families get off track, sometimes face enormous challenges. So everybody can take a deep breath and rest at ease uh, with that. But we'll talk about family. And I want to begin by a ver- reading a verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 24, verse 3. Now it's up on the side screens on the message notes, and you're going to need those message notes. So Pull those out and follow along as I read this verse. By wisdom a house is built through understanding, it is established. Strong, effective families, not perfect ones. Strong, effective families are not an accident. They're the result of wise actions, wise decisions by understanding parents. That's how an effective family functions and is established. And so whether you are a grandparent, a two-parent family, a single-parent family, whether you're a single person, you want to have a family someday, or you're a teenager trying to get rid of your family, I'm glad that you're here for this. And what I've done is I've came, come up with 10 traits of a high-functioning family 10 characteristics, and I'm going to go through those, and then I'm going to ask you after each one to rate a family on this continuum, one through 10. Now, you're going to rate, if you're not raising a family right now at all, you could rate the family you grew up in, your family of origin. If you're a grandparent, you have a choice. You could rate the family you raised or the one you grew up in. Now, if you're in a family right now, then you rate that family, but be consistent. After each one of the traits, I'm going to ask you to give it a score in that family you're rating, family you grew up in, family of origin, the one you're in right now, the one you're raising, or the one you have raised. And so I'm going to go through this list of 10 traits, and then I'm going to ask you to give a, I'll give the explanation of the trait All of them begin with one word. Then you're going to rate yourself. After you hear my explanation, if you go, you know, we're good at that. We are very good at that. Or my family growing up, that was good at that one. Then you put an X on seven, eight, or nine on that continuum. If you, after I explain that characteristic, you go, oh, we were not good at that. Or we are real low on that one then you give yourself like a a four, a three, or a two. And notice I'm banning the number five. Banning five. You got to go one way or the other as you evaluate the family. You got to be clear which family you're evaluating, okay? And honesty is important on this quiz. Honesty is very important. So important. I want all of you to take a pledge to be honest on this, okay? Okay. So sit up, and I want you to repeat after me. Okay, here we go. Repeat after me. I. I. Let's do it again a little louder. I. I. I, do swear, I do solemnly swear. I will not lie in church. I, not lie. I will be honest on this test. Okay, some of you didn't take the pledge. I could see your mouths were not moving. What are you going to lie in church? Be honest on this. Uh, I'm not going to collect these. You're not going to get a grade on it. It's for discussion purposes only. That's it. Okay, so let's jump in. First trait of a high-functioning family, one word, treasured. That's the word, treasured. I call it the love for just showing up principle. That's what it is in a healthy family. Love is spread lavishly to each and every member of the family regardless of their their age, their gender, their attractiveness, their capabilities, massive amounts of love. There's like an irrationality to the love. It's the same kind of irrational love the Apostle John experienced that made him look up to heaven one day and say these words in 1 John 3, 1. He said, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. John, you might say, was stunned. He was jolted by the love and kindness that he experienced in his life from God. I mean, this is the kind of love that makes a 20-year-old who goes away from the first time, goes away to college for the first time, the military, or she's working outside, you know, a left home working. It makes her think back on her family. And she goes, I can't believe the thousands of acts of love and kindness that came my way in my family growing up. Loving words were said. I felt loving embraces. We had loving conversations at home. I had loving support for just about anything I was doing. Piano lessons, band choir concerts, soccer games, hockey games, all of these things. For proms and dances and the laundry and the food, help with homework, birthday parties. And as the list gets longer and longer in her mind, the warmth in her heart gets hotter. Her self-worth goes high. And her thankfulness to God for growing up in that kind of a loving family intensifies. I mean, this is the kind of love makes a 28-year-old guy who has his very first child. He's looking at the baby. It's all red and wrinkly. He goes, I'm gonna pour the same amount of love into your life that I experienced growing up, that same kind of committed love. I'm gonna make you feel valued and treasured and loved for just who you are. That's the kind of love I'm talking about. And I recognize some of you you're right in a family you grew up in, or maybe not the one now. You go, love is not, it's not poured out irrationally like that. And I'll tell you about my family. The family I came out of, our family had its share of problems. We were a blended family in the 50s. I mean, there were not books on blended family back in the 50s. I didn't, we didn't know one blended family other than us. And we had lots of problems. And I know what I'm about to say. A couple of my brothers, they would disagree with me. But I would give my family, I'd give them like an eight on this one. I was the youngest. I think my dad got better at it by the time I came along. But I felt loved. And I received hugs and kisses, all that kind of thing. I did. I don't know what my daughters would say, Rachel and Jessica, But Phyllis and I, we've said the words. We still do. We still often say, end of conversations. We say, love you, Rach. Love you, Jess. We say it to our seven grandkids. What I want you to do for a moment, think of the word treasured. Think of that word. And here's the question. Were you treasured as a kid? In the family you grew up in, if that's the one you're rating. The one that you're raising now, does everybody feel that kind of irrational love, that level of love? Think about that. Rate yourself on this one. High, seven, eight, or a nine. Medium, you know, six, four, four, three; Low, four, three, or two. Remember, no fives. Put an X on that continuum under the number one. And then we're gonna move on. Move on. Second word. Second mark of a high-functioning family, communication is the word. You read all the research on this. Experts say communication is either number one or number two trait of a high-functioning family. They have open communication. And this is a direct command right out of the Bible. I mean, look at Ephesians 4, verse 15. Paul writes, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Healthy families communicate openly with grace and with truth. And statistics show the relationship that sets the pattern for communication in the family. It's the mom and dad, even whether they're married or divorced together, they still set the communication pattern. If a mom and a dad can talk openly with each other, if they can listen lovingly, if they can disagree and not draw blood, if they can resolve conflict together with grace and truth to high likelihood, they're going to pass on that open communication pattern to the rest of the family. They will. You know, when I, when I was a youth pastor, it was like a hundred years ago, I was a youth pastor I worked with middle school, high school for 14 years. One of the challenges that I would face and the other leaders in the youth ministry would be when a young person would come and talk to us about stresses or problems in their life. Most of the time, it had to do with their family. And we'd listen and I know we we would all say the same thing. We'd say, you know, I'll pray with you about that and I'll walk with you. But do you think you think you could talk to your parents about what you're talking to me about? Often, you know what the kid would say? No blanking way. I tried. I tried. They won't listen. My dad doesn't listen. My mom works all the time. Uh, not at all. I tried to talk to them about it. They got mad at me. I tried to talk to them. They got in a fight with each other. And you got the feeling that young person would give anything to have Open communication with their parents. Communication's big. It's big. So here's the question. The question on number two, how open is the communication? In the family you're raising? how open is it? The one you grew up in, the one you're raising now. How open is communication? Does it happen with grace and truth? Both. You know, if it's high, give yourself a, an eight or a nine. Medium, a six, seven. Or, or lower. If you go, oh, we run pretty fast. We don't even have time to talk. Then give yourself a lower score. Put an X on that continuum. And we'll go on when you're done. We'll talk about the third trait. My third one of an effective family, not a perfect family, there aren't, aren't any, but an effective one. It's uniqueness is the word. Uniquenesses. In this kind of family, they celebrate, they f- value, they affirm the uniqueness of every member of the family. And did you ever, you ever notice how, I mean, it's almost laughable how sometimes God puts polar opposites, personalities in one family? I mean, did you ever try to play, plan a family vacation together and get the family together? Hey, where do you want to go on vacation? You know, somebody goes, oh, I want to go skiing. Up in the mountains, somebody else, no, I want the beach, I want sun, somebody else, we want to go hiking, we want to go camping, up in the mountains. Oh, by the way, my family growing up, I they never took us camping, ever, because they loved us. That's why they never did it. (laughs) Or you get the family together, hey, let's go out for dinner, where do you want to go? You know, son wants bulk. Daughter wants uh, atmosphere. Mom wants nutrition. Dad wants cheap. <laughs> or you go, let's, hey, tonight, we're going to watch TV together. One TV, come on in. Let's all watch TV together. What are you going to watch? ESPN? Or are you going to watch America's Got Talent? You're going to watch The Voice? Or Comedy Central? Or CNN? You go, we can't even get this right. Look at what Psalm 139, verse 14 says. It says, we are all fearfully and wonderfully made, each one of us. There are no accidents. Nobody got put in your family by accident. God makes it clear. God treasures, treasures the uniqueness of all of his creation. And the goal isn't to crank out kids. They're just like mom or dad. That's not the goal. The goal is, is to discover and develop and affirm the individual uniquenesses of every member of the family so that someday every member of the family looks back and says, you know what? That family I grew up in, that family I grew up in, that was the one place I felt valued, I felt affirmed, I could be just who I am. So I ask you, were there various uniquenesses of the characters in your family were they celebrated if you're rating that family you grew up in? Was it true in that family? Is it true in the family you're in right now? Or you're, you're raising right now? Give yourself an X on uh, Put an X on the continuum. Are uniquenesses widely celebrated? Go ahead, rate yourself. High-functioning families they are. And then we'll move to another quality of high-functioning families. Number four. Number four, this is a family where everybody in the family feels, here's the word, safe. Safe. This is a family that vows never to abuse, shame, control, intimidate any member of the family. A healthy family knows there's certain violations that do so much damage to individuals in the family. They are uncompromisingly outlawed categorically outlawed in the family. And I predict it's going to continue to be real quiet in here for a few moments as I tip through, through an area that's very painful and traumatizing to many. But in my opinion, the most deeply wounded people on the planet today, they are not people that got robbed in a city. They're not people that got cheated on by a spouse or experienced the horrors of war firsthand, as traumatizing and painful as that is. But experts will tell you, nothing compares. Nothing compares to the damage done to children who are looking to a parent for love, nurture, and affirmation. And instead, they receive some type of abuse that shatters something inside a person that sometimes never gets fixed in this lifetime. Never. And I've seen it happen. You know, a child's yearning for emotional support from a mom or a dad. Instead, they receive emotional abuse. I mean, would a child's yearning for tender words, loving words to come from mom and dad, and they get raged at and screamed at. I've seen it happen. You probably have. You're in the grocery store. A kid's being a kid. Kid pulls something off the shelf. You know, it might break. Kids being a Kid. Big dad starts yelling at the kid, grabs the kid, embarrasses the kid, or, you know, rolls his eyes communicating, you're a stupid kid. Or what about a kid's running through the family room? Just being a kid, not causing trouble, running through the family room. And they get yelled at, screamed at. Worse yet, parent takes a swing at the kid, knocks the kid down. But do you know what that does to the psyche and soul of a child? And I want to say as clearly as I can, that's never cool. That is never cool to physically abuse a child. It is never right. It's, it should not happen in any family anywhere. certainly should never happen in a Crossroads family. It shouldn't. And need I say... When a child's beginning to discover the mysteries of their own sexuality, and there's this confusing mixture of excitement and fear and wonder and all of that, and then in the middle of the night, they see a parent standing at the end of their bed that's got an agenda that would make all of heaven shriek in horror. Healthy families get sick at what I'm describing right here. They get sick at that. And they vow never to abuse and never allow it to any person in any way in the family. And along with outlawing abuse of any kind, healthy families know the damage shaming can do and controlling and intimidating can do. And they make a pact and they stick to it, never to abuse, shame, control, or intimidate anyone in the family. Anyone, this is a big one. Number four here is big. You could have positive scores on all the others. You fall down on number four. You fall big and hard. And we got to build families where everybody feels safe. We got to build families where kids know they misbehave. Uh, You know, they get out of line, they're going to get talked to. They're going to get disciplined but they know they're not going to get smacked. They're not going to get shamed. So as hard as it is to face, I want you to rate how safe, how safe was your family or is your family today? If you're grading your own current family, if you're grading your own current family, do kids, does everyone feel really safe with each other or some hiding because they might get raged at. Or they walk around with stooped shoulders. you know. Somebody might shame them. High, medium, or low. How do you rate on this one? Go ahead, rate this one. And we'll move on to number five. Number five, believe it or not, shifting gears. You do, do the research on this. They'll tell you high-functioning families... They share a common faith. And faith is the word for number five. And of course, the Bible teaches this. The Bible teaches this. Key passage is Deuteronomy 6. Some of you have heard this. Deuteronomy 6, beginning at verse 5. says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Impress these values on your children's heart. Talk about them when you're sitting at home when you walk along the road, when you lie down at night, when you rise in the morning. And there's dozens of Bible passages like this one. And you know what they're saying? They're saying, parents, live out your faith genuinely and pass that faith on. And it actually gives a strategy how to do it in that passage. And notice the strategy was not Hold indoctrination classes for your kids. Strap them in a chair. Fill their head with Bible verses. It's not what it says. It's got a better approach. Better suggestion. It's saying through the normal course of life, when you're together as a family, you talk about God. You talk about the God you follow. When you're driving in the car, you see a, you see a beautiful Colorado sunset. You you get everybody's attention you go kids look at that look at that sunset God has provided that God is the most creative artistic being in the entire universe creating the beautiful world that we live in that is the work of the hand of God that sunset right there or somebody's going through a problem in the family They're having a problem. You talk about it together as a family. And then you say, you know, let's pray together about this. Let's say a prayer together about this situation. Because God has wisdom. and God has guidance and insight and power that can be brought to bear on this situation. And this is another reason. You know, another reason. This is my broken record part. Parents are guardians, grandparents, raising kids. Do all you can to get your kids in the children and student ministry programs here consistently because they'll get a steady diet of the love of God and God's love for them in their life. They'll get a steady diet of that and they'll feel and they'll understand all the power and direction and wisdom that God has for our lives. So get them here consistently. Grade yourself on this one or the family you you grew up in or the family you're raising now. It's the God factor. How central is God in your family system or was? Rate yourself. High, medium, or low. And here's another trait. Number six. Respect is number six. Respect other people. I say respect all people always respect all people always and i've done a lot of research a lot of reading about racism and it's not surprising racist ideas are learned behavior learned behavior and where's the place that most people learn that stuff in their family in their family you get your ideas about how you think of the other of other races ethnicities all of that from your family now as a kid gets older Why These views get reinforced today, especially over the internet. Hate groups are flourishing. That's why we have to monitor the internet with our kids. But a kid doesn't lie in the crib and say, someday I'm going to be a bigot. No. They're taught to hate. You have to be taught prejudice. You got to be taught to hate. And if you can be taught to hate, you can be taught the opposite also. You can be taught and you can teach your kids to love across racial lines. But we got to teach respect for people. Respect all people always. And I think when a family gets tuned into this, a mom and dad or mom or dad announces, in this home, we're never going to disrespect anyone. We're not going to tell jokes. We're not going to allow that. No disrespectful talk about people You know, because of their race, their ethnicity, skin color, language they speak, sexual orientation, their religion, or how they vote. If I ever do it, you call me on it. You ever do it, I'm going to call you on it. But we're going to root it out of our family. You root that stuff out of your family, you did a great thing. You did. And you know, since... Since I've not been working here at Crossroads, I think at every one of these talks, I've, I've made a confession and, and it's been really catharsic, some word, something like that. It's been very whatever for me, but I'm gonna make a confess, confession right here. You know, when I was a kid, I misbehaved sometimes. I know it's a shock to many of you. Don't call the RH line, I did. My parents weren't good at discipline. We didn't have rules. We didn't have rules. I could run wild, and I did sometimes. Not good. Not good. But when I grade my family on this one, and I grew up on the west side of Chicago, bordering what was called a slum, I'd rate my family the highest on this one. I don't even know why my parents were good at it. I'd give my family a nine here. I would. From the time I was little, I never heard my parents ever say any disparaging word about a person because of their race, ethnicity, or sexual orientation. And they allowed no jokes or anything like that in our home. Only made positive statements about people. And I'll remind you of a mantra we have around here. The mantra is, you'll never look into the eyes of a person that does not matter to God. And that comes out of the Bible, Genesis 127. We are all created, everybody on the planet, in the image of God. So when it comes to the whole subject of differentness, teaching respect, how's your family doing, the one you're rating? Real high? You know, we're doing well on that? Medium or low? And we'll go on to number seven. Number seven. High-functioning families instill a sense of responsibility. That's the word. They don't let family members off the responsibility hook. Decisions have consequences. That teaches responsibility. I mean, have you, ever, have you ever heard of a kid that was old enough to take care of their laundry, and they leave their laundry laying all over the floor, and, and they expect, like, the dirty clothes fairy to come and pick it up and, and take care of it? And I have done that, I, I have to admit. <laughs> but often what happens, the parents nag the kid. They nag the kid, pick up your laundry, pick it up. Then the parent goes and does it. And they got all this resentment building up inside. When well, there could have been natural consequences. Galatians says, we reap what we sow. They don't wash their clothes. They, they wear dirty clothes. And then there'll be certain social consequences as a result of that. That teaches responsibility. we got to live within our means, pay our bills on time, keep our commitments, do our chores. When a kid says, I'll be home in such and such a time, they don't show up, we hold them responsible. Mom or dad says, I'll be home for dinner tonight at a certain time, they don't show up, they don't call, we hold them responsible. You know what this, You know what this is really about when you peel it away? This one's about character, and character counts. So how are you doing when it comes to character? Holding each other responsible. Was it happening? Is it happening now? High, medium, or low? And we're moving on. We're moving on to number eight. I'm watching the clock, by the way. Number eight, fun, fun. They have fun together, high-functioning families. They play together in those moments When you're having fun and you gotta schedule that stuff, we're so busy today, you gotta schedule fun so it doesn't just pass you by. But when you're having fun together, you're camping, you're hiking, you're biking, you're skiing, whatever. It takes the rough edges off the family from the difficult times that you had during that week or that month that just come naturally. You know, in that situation, you forget about what went wrong when you're having fun together. There's a healing to it. You're having fun together as a family, and you go, "Hey, look, look, we're having fun. We can play together. We can get along. We can have a good time together. We're okay." There's a healing in that. There is. There's a healing, and that's biblical. Look at Proverbs seventeen twenty-two: A chill, cheerful heart is good medicine. There is healing in a cheerful heart. There is. But a cross spirit dries up the bones. We can't be all serious all the time. We ought to have fun together. Rate yourself on the fun factor, the play factor. Okay, rate your, the family you're rating. And then I've got two more and we'll close. High functioning families. Number nine, they have meaningful traditions is the word. Traditions. And I started thinking, why are meaningful traditions so important in a family? And you know what my opinion boils down to? Security. Security. When when family members know, every Thanksgiving, we're doing this. We say no to everything else, everybody else, our family's doing this. There's a security in that. Or maybe it's not Thanksgiving. Maybe it's birthdays, anniversaries. You know, it's Christmas or something. I know families, they make a huge tradition, big deal out of putting the Christmas tree up. Whole family comes together. They make a night of it. They eat dinner. Then they spend hours putting the tree up. Our family, that's not a big deal. Never has been. I dig the tree out of the garage, blow all the dirt off it, the fake tree. I bring it into the house. Phyllis puts it up. Now the girls help her. Put it up. The tree's never been big in our house. Some houses, that's a big deal. Not ours. Birthdays are big. Birthdays in our family, it's like a holy time. I mean, the celebrations, they go on for over a week. We got one this Wednesday. I heard between services. We're thinking of celebrating starting tonight. It's not till Wednesday. It's gonna go on another week. We'll go to a restaurant. We'll get a room. We'll be laughing, yelling, taking pictures. But you know what it says? It says you can plan on this in our family. You can be secure knowing this is what's going to happen. Don't underestimate the importance of family traditions, family rituals. So how are you doing on this one? Rate yourself, high, medium, or low? Do you have them growing up? Are you establishing them now? And here's the last thing. Number 10, high-functioning families, when they reach an impasse, they get help. Help is number 10. They seek help. They ask for help. There's an old Chinese proverb that says, nobody's family can honestly hang a sign over the porch that says, nothing's the matter here. There's something a matter in every family. And everybody knows it. The question is just, if it's serious enough, will you get help? Will you get help? Generation before mine, my parents' generation, they were terrible at this one. Mom could be a falling down drunk all week long, dad a flaming controller, teenager clinically depressed, little kid killing animals. But when it came to Sunday... Man, they scrubbed up for a, an hour of public deception and they went to church. And people would say, hey, how's the family? They all go, oh, we're all great. We're doing great. And everybody in that family knew they weren't doing great. There were problems. Phyllis and I, we went to counseling over the years. A number of times we went to counseling because we, we believe God's gifted certain therapists to have wisdom and insight we're not trained for. So I'd strongly suggest to any family here or watching online, if you're stuck, you don't want to go all the way through 2019, you know, repeating the same behavior, saying the same kind of unkind words, continuing to hurt people in the family. If that's going on, get help. Get a therapist. Call the church. If you don't know a therapist, call the church. We'll give you a list of people that you can talk to. Talk to about this. Not every baton's got to be passed on to the next generation. Not every broken baton has to be passed on that was passed on to you. I mean, we can get help. We can say, you know what? With God's help, it's gonna stop here. It's gonna stop. The deception, the addiction, the lying. Lack of character, stuff that's gone on in our family for generations, with God's help, it's stopping right here, right here. It's not going any further. So, how are you doing on this one? How are you doing? If there's a problem, do you get help? Problem in your family, if it's serious enough, do you get help? Do you ask for help? Or do you ask for prayer even? Or do you go, ah, we got too much family pride. Too much family pride. Man, that's dangerous. That's dangerous to have that going on. Too much family pride. So how you doing on this one? Rate yourself. Okay? And now I'll tell you how we should think of this continuum. This is the way I want you to think about this test. You know, many tests, they tell you this. Focus on your strength. So if you got a seven, do all you can. Pump it up to a nine. You get an eight, Work all you can to pump it up to a 10. You focus on your strengths and you keep improving them. That's many tests. That's not this test. This test, I want you to think of a big red line going right down through all the fives. And everything on the left of the five should say to you, danger, danger, danger. And everything on the right, you should go, thank you, God, and you keep it going. You keep it going. Anything on the left, you got to turn over heaven and earth. You got to read books. You got to get therapy. You got to get help. You got to do anything you can to improve those things on the left. Because all that stuff on the left, it's a big honking deal. And you got to do all you can to improve them fast. So I hope this has been helpful. And I know you're, you're grateful I didn't come up with a list of 20. <laughs> you know, just think about that. But I hope this has been helpful and I hope that this will prompt some family discussions uh, that you'll have this week about these things. So let's stand together for a closing prayer and then we'll go. God, this whole idea of family is your idea. And God, I do pray by the work of your hand in our lives that we would all become irrationally loving people, loving our kids, loving our families, treasuring each member of our family. And that we'll express it. We'll express that love that we have for each other in words and actions and affection. And God, I pray you'll help us with these other areas we've talked about. And I pray there will be family discussions about this and family commitments made. There'll be vows of what kind of behavior will never, ever happen in this family, in this home, and what kind of new behaviors, God, we're gonna start doing. But God, I ask your special blessing upon all the parents, special blessing upon grandparents, Special blessing upon all the families and every person that's here. In Jesus' name, amen.